Hi, this is Joel Richardson, founder of Soul Joel Productions. I want to thank you for watching this and all of our content on Soul Joel TV. Just keep it in mind, every time you see this logo, that's our stamp of approval to know that it's quality content. So thank you for watching this and now enjoy the show. Do it again. Of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world. You're listening to Drinks, Jokes, and Storytelling. The martini, shaken, not stirred. Don't try and church it up, son. You can't handle the truth. I am the picture that got small. Your first one's on us. Ladies and gentlemen, what is that? Welcome to Drinks, Jokes, and Storytelling. I'm your host, Mark Rigadana. With me, as always, Richie Byrne. The Sheik himself. He's in the... I'm Omar Sharif, baby. Omar <laughs> I had to go into, I had to go to Rite Aid today to get uh, some stuff, and they wouldn't let me in. What? Without a mask. You didn't oh you didn't have a mask. Come on, Richie. Oh, social to. distancing. This is what I went in. I had a, they're like, you have a scarf? I'm like, yeah, in the car. Go get it. This is normal, <laughs> bro. I had a similar thing happen to me today. I had to go pick my car up. It was getting inspected. And I got halfway there and realized I didn't have a mask. So I went into the car place like this. And when I went in, the guy goes, what's up? I go, I, my mask broke. I threw it out. And he goes, here, take one of these. He gave me one of the mechanic yeah, ones. Really? Yeah. You know, I got to go to my mechanic tomorrow. Maybe I'll see if he has a mask. But yeah. I, 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 They got the good stuff, man. Yeah. They yeah. got the good shit. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you doing? I'm psyched. It's going to be a great show. It's going to be a fun show. It's we'll going to be a real good movies. show. Movies. Yeah, it's, it's Showbiz Thursday. I even put it up. Show. Showbiz Thursday. There it is. And nice. uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to rock it today. We got two great guests. Hopefully, we, we know we got one great guest. <laughs> we got one in the kit. <laughs> We've had some glitches this week, which is fun. This has been the only week that we've had I know. I know. We any have, technical difficulties. Yeah. But I, I got a lot of calls on Ben Creed last night. He's amazing. So many good stories. People like, oh, dude. I mean, you know what was funny about Ben was that he kept saying names, but without like like we Rick Messina. He's like, you know, I was living with Messina. I'm like, you got to say who that is, Ben. You can't just say Messina. No one knows. It's like when you you ever like talk with a cop, like a cop will use like street lingo that they use. And then you yeah. like another cop friend will realize like oh that means yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they have to explain it to you you know what in TV there's so many things in TV where they're like you did this you did I'm like I don't know what that means I'm like really you know this <laughs> you know oh, we got B roll I'm like what the hell's B roll like, well, we go out on the field I go oh right, why don't you just say it's outside <laughs> you got to put the second team on that what the hell's the second team we need a GoFundMe for the boys to get haircut i'm thinking <laughs> dude i am mulleting like nobody's business look yeah. at this thing i am too you got like a sweet christopher walken if he like was in the in the sun a little too much yeah well you know, <laughs> you know what i did i i i washed my hair today i haven't I noticed girls at work don't wash their hair for like five, six days. And I go, why? They go, because it, the oil or it, right? it lays better. Ah. So I've never had the balls to do that. <laughs> and now with this Corona shit, that's I'm like, I'm not going to wash my hair for like five or six days. And it actually, went, it does lay better. But today I washed it. I'm like, I want to let it 
I didn't put any product in it. So <laughs> yeah. I, look at this. You have um, a, you have like a, you're like a redheaded Christopher Walken. And I know and my hair's not really that red. The, so, the poofy, and I right wish. now in the light it looks red. <laughs> Tim Sullivan says I look like Chris Christopherson. I wish. <laughs> I wish I, even now he's 85. I wish I had his body. <laughs> his body. <laughs> He's like the guy's Jack. Did you ever see Chris Christopher? Oh yeah. When did he take? When did he find time to do all the writing? I mean, he, he <laughs> yeah. and and apparently, if you read his book, he did a lot of partying. Oh yeah, I know. I hate. He's I a road scholar, stars. a party animal. I hate rock stars like that, man. Yeah. Oh no, I, part, I mean, if I partied like you party, I'd be eight hundred pounds. <laughs> you know. Um. So. We got to we got to get to our guests. We got to get to the guests. We got a great have, show, we man. We have one of our things to do. We have a, a little a little a little skit. A little skit. A uh, little thing. Uh, yes, I didn't Shameless get Shameless promotions. Promotions, but um here's the deal. We did it last week. You weren't here. You weren't here for the first one. We did a, a shameless promotion. You were busy and then you came on later. It was uh, Anthony Rodia show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um we did uh we did a shameless promotion last week. And that was there when you recorded it. it was yeah, good. yeah, it was and it funny. went so well that we decided to do another one. Now I had nothing to do with this. I don't, I wasn't involved in any way. This is all Joey and Joel and you. I, I'm not involved in this. I don't know what it is, but it's a little <laughs> thing we call shameless promotion. Shameless promotions. <laughs> Who's this guy? Some comedian. You know, it's supposed to be good for you. Do you try it? I'm not gonna try it. You try it. I'm not gonna try it. Let's get Mikey. Yeah. He won't watch it. He hates everything. He likes it. Hey, Mikey. When you bring Richie Byrne home, don't tell the kids he's one of those comedians who shamelessly promotes everything. You're the only one who has to know. You are Mikey in real life, weren't you? So embarrassing. Do you know they're they're all brothers, the three of them? They were real brothers? Yeah, they were real brothers. That's pretty cool. That parent uh, was happy to get that check. I, I actually did research on them before. Isn't that weird? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I hate when we do these things because it just tries to push my new special that's out on Vimeo. Which you should buy. Yeah, which you, or rent. You can rent it for $3.99 or buy it for $9.99. But I don't really buy want it. to push it. I don't like doing that. You're no. not the kind of guy to mention you can no. go online and buy it. it or rent. Or rent. Vimeo. V-I-M-E-O. It's not hard. Dot com. Dot com. And, or rent. Yeah. And, and you watch it. and Fun for the whole family. Everybody will love you if you would rent that. Here's the deal. For all the people out there who say, well, I've seen him before. Well, if you rent or buy this, I have to write new material. So as long as it's selling, if you buy it, then you you know I'll have to. If you don't buy it, well, I'll do the same shit for the next twenty years. So it's on you, people. Go out and buy it. Burn her down on me. <laughs> it just that graphic happened to be in the stock footage I, area, so I we pulled it out. It. I, I didn't even realize that's your last name. Oh, we should bring yeah. out our guest. Yeah, a lot of people don't get the double entendre of burned out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my my um my uh social media person the girl she's writing me the other day and she goes hey I'm gonna put out a thing about burned out and then she goes oh my god I just got it <laughs> <laughs> you know? 
Well, that was when you did the thing and you said Dick Byrne. I was like, I don't get it. <laughs> oh, Richie, Richard, Richard, Dick, Dick You're Byrne. Ah, All right. God, it took a lot. Let's so, bring out our guest. He's yeah, a buddy yeah. of yours. You've worked with him. I'm so thrilled to have this guy on. When we started doing Showbiz Thursday, I said, we got to get this guy. He's a renowned director, movie director. He's a renowned film writer. He uh, He's directed so many big people. I mean, so many big names. And he's just, we're going to talk about all of them. But let's get him out here. My old pal, give it up for Dan Schechter. How about it? Dan Schechter in the house. What's up, How you brother? doing? Hey, guys. I, I, it took me a second to get burned out until it streamed across the bottom there, and I read it out loud, and I was like, oh, ah, see? I'm too clever <laughs> for my own good. Do you, did you, did you like famous promotion? I mean, as a... As yeah, a you should have just owned it, man. You know, it's it's pretty harmless. You're not taking up too much airtime with it, and I didn't know it existed. So it's like, it's not just an audio album. No. On Vimeo, then you recorded it live somewhere? Yeah, we did. At a, Yeah, we did at a casino in, in uh, Pennsylvania. And cool. Uh, pretty cool, Dan. Yeah, yeah. cool. Uh, the, the company that did it, we did a five-camera shoot, and um, they put up a whole wall behind me. It's got my initials in the wall. It's I'm really renting cool. it. I'm renting <laughs> Dr. Oz does a cameo in it and everything. It's pretty cool. cool. Yeah, yeah. Burned out on Vimeo, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Not afraid to be a whore. We Not need to put a couple flashing lights right next to it. Just <laughs> Now, I have to tell you something before we start. This is really kind of cool. I am, as you guys both know, I'm a tremendous actor on top of being a... You are a good actor. And, Greatest actor of all time. Yes. And um, I have been in a movie about stand-up comedy that I thought depicted stand-up comedy better than any film or TV show I've ever seen. And that was Danny's Danny's uh, movie and, and um, Goodbye Baby. And then a few years later, I did an original play about stand-up comedy that I thought depicted stand-up comedy better than any play I've ever seen. And that was The Boom. Danny was the director of the movie, and Mark was the director of the play. <laughs> so now we can just yell at you from both directions. My, my world had collided. <laughs> Very cool. But we're going to talk, Dan, we're going to talk about you for a while. But we want to know what's going on in the film world. Like, what, how this has screwed us up totally, obviously, as comics. Getting a movie picked up, how is that going to work? You can't take it to festivals, you really, have, right? You have one ready to go? I got a bit lucky in that I, the last movie I made, which is a movie called After Class, which is, I think, available now on iTunes and stuff, that just came out in December. And so now oh, I'm, wow. like, writing the new thing, trying to figure out what that is. So selfishly, it's not a terrible time for me. Because even if I had a movie trying to get into film festivals, those are all canceled now. Trying to raise money sounds nightmarish right now. Uh, if I had to promote my movie right now, which, you know, I guess I don't because I think it already happened. So, yeah, I'm pretty grateful yeah. that this late in my life, it where this probably would have been a pretty deadish year anyway. And for okay, me well, to kind of go. Well, that's good. Well, what, what's King of Prussia? That's an old thing. That's something on IMDb. So, I let's see, I've now directed four movies. I did Goodbye Baby with you. Uh, then I did uh, a movie called Sporting Characters that I made for like 60 grand that I was very proud of with Lena Dunham and some people from New York. Yeah. Then, I made, then I made a movie called Life of Crime. It had Jennifer Aniston and Tim Robbins, right? So that was like kind of my, I yeah. wrote a, a, an Elmore Leonard book on spec. I hail married it in and I got to make a $10 million movie with A-list incredible actors. Yeah, yeah, so, we're going to talk about that. You know, happily, Jennifer yeah. Aniston was on the Dr. Oz show 
And I went up to her and I said, hey, uh, you know, we both worked with Dan Schechter. She's like, oh, my God, Dan Schechter. But it was funny. I, I was still going to have something to talk to her about. Yeah, she's, she, you know, I got I got no smack to talk about with her. She was pretty easy and cool. And if she wasn't, I'd tell yeah. you. Um, and yeah. I think she's good in the movie. And then, and then uh, yeah, I just made another small indie that has, uh, it's like an autobiographical thing. So Fran Drescher plays my mom. Justin Long plays a version oh, wow. of me. Yeah. It was, it was called Safe Spaces, and then the distributor made us change the title because if it, I, maybe you guys are hip enough to know this, but although you don't know what B-roll is and you don't know what second team is, so maybe <laughs> I, I hope this isn't condescending, but they encourage you to change the title of your movie. Encourage is a polite word. They made us change the title of the movie that started with an A because they still make a great deal of money on video on demand, and people look through an alphabetical order and get fatigued oh. by the time they're up to the letter C. So now you'll notice going an airplane, when we are allowed to go on airplanes again, you'll notice that A to C section is a lot longer than the rest of the shit that comes up after it. And uh, yeah, a little inside. It's like the yellow pages theory. <laughs> you name, know, you name your company. A, a, a. Yeah, Sorry. you name your company to start with an A, so you're early in the yellow pages. Absolutely. So when they go to look for a plumber, <laughs> Ace Plumber gets before Zeke's Plumber. So yeah. you, the, the original name was what? Safe Spaces? It was called Safe Spaces. To be honest, that was a title. I, for those, just to quickly explain it, it's, a, it's an autobiographical thing about when I was teaching as a professor, and it was like when Trump was running, and Me Too, and Black Lives Matter, and Oscar So White, and just the students were as terrifying as you've heard them be. And, and I was brand new at teaching and putting my foot in my mouth every two seconds. So, But it was <laughs> interesting and funny and I think topical, and so I made a movie about that. But the term safe spaces is so like polarizing that it kind of pisses people off on both sides. And I didn't want that energy going into it. It's a very sweet movie that's not like shitting on anybody necessarily. It's more about like, hey, let's not make everything into a wildly polarized situation. And I had an awesome time with it on film festivals and it came out and it got good reviews. And I felt like I made a piece of art in all these crazy times before things got truly fucking nuts uh, that mm -hmm. felt satisfying to get it out of my system and everything. But yeah. Oh, that's cool, man. That's great. Yeah. And yeah. after class, because it's an A. Yeah, they gave me three awful options, and that was the <laughs> most benign of all of them. And so I took it, but I still forget it. You know, people go, oh, I saw after class, and it takes me, you know, it's like renaming your child. It's very hard to reboot <laughs> your brain. To that's, kinda, why, yeah. that's why I changed my last name to Burn, because it's a bit, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't even get, we, we jumped ahead because we yeah. were talking, but the name of the show is Drinks, Jokes, and Storytelling. So okay. you have to have a drink on this show. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be alcoholic, but I know it is. I got one, yeah. So, I mean, it's not spectacular. You know what I would have done? This is not like a macho thing, but I've been hand muddling mojitos, like just to kind of have something to make for myself. But I didn't do that tonight. I just, I like Corona. It's not a joke about the coronavirus. I like it, but I know now it's taboo. No, okay. We've already done it. the joke. <laughs> <laughs> so I drink when, Corona all the time. And it's it's also on sale now. I know. I mean, people are like not buying it. I'm like, great, I will. True? I thought maybe the opposite would have been I, true. I originally heard that was true. I even had jokes about it, and then I read that they that it went the sales went up. I think it did go up, but yeah. I don't know for sure. I never confirmed it. It's I like know. A, I know. A tweet at the article I never clicked on. It's you that know? fake news that everybody's talking about. Yeah, but I love Corona. That's what it. are you That's doing? I'm just having water tonight. Okay. What? Wow. Well, don't worry, Dan. 
<laughs> I, got a, I got a nice rum and coke kick in here. Rum and coke. I have a Water. feeling that's mostly rum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's diet coke. <laughs> and you now you have to do a joke. Word on the street is you have a joke. I have two jokes because last night I got high and I came up with two jokes off the spot. Sometimes I can be funny when I'm high, and I think I tested it today on two people. It's not like going to make you laugh out loud, but I think it's you'll go, oh, that's qualifies as a joke. Should I tell one now and then the other one later? Are we going to go around or everyone? Oh, let's do them. Let's see how bad the first one is. Okay. All right. <laughs> Richie's so. like the hardest person to tell a joke in front of. He's always right. mugging. I, I know. He's right. You're right. Bro. I haven't like worked this the way you would, Richie, where I made it as tight as possible. But here's the vague idea of a joke <laughs> where it, basically it's me musing. Uh, do you guys ever think that Charles Dickens ever uh, finished a chapter of his book where there was a great plot twist and said to himself, the plot Dickens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like him being really into himself. Okay. I love All it. Right. I like it. No, let's do the second you one. You definitely were stoned when you wrote it, but go ahead. You don't have to laugh. I Yes, I know it's stone, but I genuinely think that's kind of funny. All right, the second one is, uh, <laughs> I guess you can make it an impression joke if you wanted to reword it. So this is an impression with uh, a Matthew McConaughey fighting with his wife. Or, or Okay, let's just say you go. All right, all right, all right. That's it. Because he goes, all right, all right, all right. All right whatever. It's, you know. That's it. Same. Do you know what I love about you, Dan? Most, most people just come on with some bullshit two Jews walked into a bar joke. No. Not he you. wrote some. Not they're, you. They're now, fresh. Mark, I will tell you. What, what was summer of 2006? No, seven, right? When we made um, my baby? I, probably 2007. That's Sounds right-ish. Yeah, April. And Jay Black and I spent the whole summer writing material for the lead, the Christine Evangelista's uh, character. Because yeah. she was playing a, a comic. And Dan was so – we literally – we'd sit in a room for hours and we'd write material. And then, and, and, and then at the end of the day, we'd go out to the city clubs. And so Dan could get a feel for the city. We'd go to the strip every. We'd go to the uh, uh, the cellar every night. And yeah. We that. And we'd we'd hit all the different clubs. And it was Mark, maybe the best summer of my life. We had Dan. Uh, how much fun did we have? I had so much fun. One of my great memories of doing that because I learned so much hanging out with you guys. Because at that point, Richie was, you know, somebody had been doing it for a while. It was more seasoned, and Jay was fairly new, and I was completely wide eyed to the whole thing. But what was so fun is we would go to more of the open mics, which is the quality that the character had. And they would start the joke, and you and Jay would whisper the end of their joke to me because you had heard everyone. Not, that person do it. You knew what we the just knew what was coming. Yeah, yeah. That was so cool. Oh, real quick, I need the uh, somebody in the chat room. Jay Black is a singer with Jay right. and the Americans, but this is a comedian, Jay Black. Yes, that's yes. my buddy Tom. Now, He's a good dude. Now here's an interesting fun fact. After a few years ago, I was I sang in a band with Jay Black's son. So I have worked with both Jay Blacks now. Because <laughs> so I, I've worked with every Jay Black that's in the business. <laughs> even, cool. even the black porn star. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we we spent and Dan, I got to tell you, you did your homework, Mark. The guy, you put that movie. It was so much fun watching them build. 
a comedy club. I was going to ask, where was it shot? Were you, did you guys shoot in a real club, or was that made? right across the street from the production company? Right there, we built, we built one that looked quite convincing. It was. Oh. I I was trying to figure it out. I'm like, that might be the strip. That might no. be. No, you they know, built one. I don't know how you guys feel about projects of days past, but uh, I wish I could enjoy them more. I just look back and all I see, uh, you know, Alfonso Cuaron, he's a director. He did uh, Gravity and one of the Harry Potter's movies, Me Too Mama Tambien, and he, he's like this great director. And I heard somebody interview him once and says, hey, hey, do you watch your movies when they're on TV? And he goes, no, people think your movies are like your children. They're not. They're like your ex-wives. Like meaning... <laughs> To him, they're these failed experiments that you have some nostalgia for, but you don't want to re... So I love that you're reminding me that it was a nice thing because all I look back on, even on the last film I made, and see the mistakes. And I, I, I'm sure there's some mental condition that refuses to allow me to enjoy having made something. It's sucks. Yeah. I, wish no, I, I don't like think that. it's you. That was one of the questions I was going to ask you. As comedians, we go up, do our shows. You could do the best show ever. But you're, I don't know about you, Mark, this is, but you'll walk off stage and go, I didn't do that joke right. Yeah, and I'm like that. It means I can get up the next night and do try and fix that. But then, of course, that night I'll screw up this. And then how does that happen where, as, a, as a filmmaker? Once the film is over, you have to watch it and then go, yeah, I can't fix that. Right? I mean, is that frustrating? Does that happen? Yeah. yeah. And, and movies are so hard to make, and you have such little money and such little time, so you have a fucking gun to your head. Right. Jennifer Aniston in the snow outside, one chance only, or one week. And if you don't get it right, you don't have money to reshoot things or whatever. So whenever I watch my movies, it's like, I I wish I shot it this way, edited it that way. That, that song I had to replace with a cheaper song I hate. That visual effect never looked right to me. And, of course, people don't see it the way I do. I'm mm. not nuts. It's like body dysmorphia. It's not, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, an accurate viewing of it. But um, I just – I'm always like, what's next? I, I'll do better the next time I get to make a movie. But, no, so, you don't get that chance to refine it the way right, you Right, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. interesting, though. But at least you go, I'll fix it the next movie. I'll do, I'll to do better. I, yeah. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, you hope. I heard up and all the way up until the end, Gary Shandling used to tweak his Larry Sanders show episodes all the way it. up, like years after it's been off air. He was still working on the show. He's like, uh, oh, tweak. <laughs> this is the fucking world I live in. I thought you said tweet. I'm like, <laughs> um, Larry Sanders show, I think is my favorite comedy That's show true. ever. And it really holds up. It's on HBO Go. If people haven't seen it. In fact, I, I used to watch it. Every time I went through a breakup, every couple of years, I would watch the whole show, and I found it like really healing and ridiculously funny and light years ahead of its time. Oh, it's so, so if good. anyone's watching this and looking like for something to get into that will just make them happy, and yet there's like a messy humanness to it, it's so funny. You see actors like Sharon Stone and Alec Baldwin and Ellen, all of them at their prime, you know, just looking gorgeous. David Duchovny, it's such yeah, a yeah, 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 you're right. I believe that was something he went over and over and over again because yeah. it's really high-end piece of art that holds up yeah yeah it is you're right it's one of the best shows i, I think ever put on camera i mean yeah. it's so brilliant you apparently know? it was like his dying wish to have hbo buy it back because they didn't have it you know so because it was kind of before sex and the city and sopranos where it was one of their like original yeah and then after he died they bought the whole series back and so it'll live forever on hbo which is you know you know what else was great i, I don't know if you Remember, it's it's Gary Shandling's show. Was oh. It was so, so 
different than anything you've ever seen, you know? And it, yes. the way he, I mean, the idea to have it and what he did with it was just, just tremendous, you know? I, I, I agree, but I didn't love it the way I loved it. It's not the same. No, it it I, was I new, but it doesn't hold up. I no, it doesn't hold up. You're right. I, I also wasn't the right age when it was good. Yeah. So I had to watch it when it was already kind of ran its course and it was, you know, like old news. So it didn't hold up as good, but I love that show. I Which thought it was show? such a cool idea. It's Gary. Gary Sh- oh, okay. Yeah. Now, Dan, who, who are your influences? How did, were you, did you always want to be a, were you a, did you want to be a screenwriter first and then direct, or did you always want to be a director and, I wanted to be a writer first. I did that. And then as soon as I gave my script to someone else and watched what they did with it, I was like, oh, it, it would be somebody else performing your material. The, the tone is so specific. You know, the, the delivery of it. It's so all you watch it and cringe even worse than if I had made it because you just had no control. I'd rather blame myself. So I quickly learned that lesson and got into directing. But Woody Allen is my influence. That was the guy I watched everything over and over and over again. And I just read his memoir, which is available on Book on Table, though buried and not advertised anywhere and not encouraged to be read or anything. But if you are a mega fan like I am and you've seen all his movies a bunch of time and, and you're interested in his life and it's, you know, you hear him talk about meeting Groucho Marx and dating Diane Keaton and, you know, there's wow. loads of treats in there. It was great. And he, he reads the book on tape. So I've been trying to walk and get some exercise so i just listened to him tell me his life story and it was cool that's wow. cool so i woody noticed allen, i had a when, feeling it was woody allen was your biggest influence yeah of course i mean i i i hate that i now hesitate to say how much i dig him you know what i mean yeah, and it's like i want to go especially yeah. when i had students that was like a non-starter and i don't want to force him down anybody's throats but to anybody young you say Woody allen he's that's a pedophile to them they don't right know the yeah. circumstances yeah. of the case and i'm not gonna i don't want to get into that but it's such a shame that so many people won't even give him a chance now. And it's very tragic what the circumstances of his work is now. And it kind yeah. of yeah. but anyway, yes. Like, yeah, I have some younger filmmaker friends that I are my students or that I mentor or whatever. And I, I keep giving them gems because you can go 30 movies deep and there's still some. Yeah. Like, wonderful fucking I, have the same, I have the same problem. My favorite actor is OJ Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> Big naked gun fan. Uh, Big naked gun. He was really good at naked gun, by the way. Do we separate the art from the artist? In OJ's case, it's hard to tell. Now, when when you said, I'm going to direct, did you, I mean, did you know enough about directing? I mean, like, I'm blown away by directors because I can't imagine having that kind of, having the balls to go, yeah, this is my vision. This is what I'm gonna do. Yeah, you know, I, it's just amazing to me. I'm always, I'm always so. You guys, yeah. I have a question on top of that question because I noticed <laughs> you started as an AD. Yeah, when you first got in. Now, ADing is like notoriously one of the hardest jobs on the set. It's yeah. probably the worst. Did you like it? I mean, how? No. <laughs> No, I didn't like being anything under the director. I found that I was a very, uh, I'm a very humble leader, but a very arrogant follower. So when I have the control, I can let it go. But when I don't have control, I'm fucking second guessing everybody and what they're doing. And to be an AD, for those who don't know, it's an assistant director, which is a bit of a misnomer. You're not really helping the director as much as you're keeping the schedule on time on a film set. So I'm basically a mom. Yeah, and it's hard to be cool while you're kind of telling people to hurry along because you'd go up to these whatever old grips who've been doing it forever and you'd be like hey like we got to go in 10 minutes he goes well it's gonna take 20 what do you want me to do and you're like okay sorry sir i didn't mean to right i'm sure if i 
if I had done it for many more years, I'm sure I would have gotten better at that. But I didn't have a delicate touch in a way that I felt some really good ADs have that uh, in the past. But I just wanted the control. Uh, directors are control freaks, and that's what you wanted. Yeah. You're correct, Richie, to call it balls because it's not knowledge and it's not education. It's having. Uh, it's why typically my younger male students all thought they'd be great directors and my younger female students were all, I don't think I could be a director. And it wasn't because any of them knew more. The male mentality was, I, I could help. Take yeah, care. Yeah, exactly. I'll tell some people what to do. Right. Um, <laughs> right. But I try as much as possible always. It's why I love teaching was to destigmatize the job because I think it's a very doable job and you have so much support. And the joke about being a director is that it's the one person whom if they were not on set, you could still very easily make a movie. Uh, meaning their job is to be the conductor, <laughs> but there could still very easily be a nice piece of music without them waving their wand. That's Did you funny. see the movie on uh, Amazon, a legendary AD? No, no. It's, uh, I, I it's, like stuff like that. It, it is, they interview the best ADs in the business, and they like tell their stories. That's cool. And I'm like, that is so not every director I've met. They're so organized. They so have yeah. everything right down to the it's different. Yeah, it's different. They're they're a huge person to rely on. You really need that wildly organized type person. Most directors I know are creative types who you know have their head in the clouds half the time. And that was the cool thing about doing the Aniston movie. It was the big the biggest movie I did by far. And, and my day would be divided. Okay, you have two hours from this time to this time with costumes. Then we're going to drag you. We're going to pull you into another room. You're going to be working with special effects. Then you're working with the act. And I was just, you know, I didn't plan my day out. I just went wherever I was told to go. And I, wow. every meeting was deliriously exciting and a new challenge and a new muscle I got to flex. And, you know, so you're not really a master of anything, but you're sort of like you have insight into all of it. So you had to work on her time more than anything else. Because she, in other sure. words, she, Jennifer Aniston, like her, her schedule what, ran the. Was, was she under a schedule? Like, is that what you mean? I'm not. I'm not. No, no uh, uh, that's interesting, and that's a separate thing, and I'll answer that. But what I was saying was, I guess I was talking more during preparation. For example, before you're even shooting, and you have four to six to eight weeks or year, you know, months, considering how big the movie is. But I had like four or five weeks, and my day would be scheduled for me by an AD, uh, who uh, who would say, "Okay, now is your time to work with this department and." Costumes, production design, music, uh, you know, locations, casting, and my day would be divided for me, and I would just be dragged from one room to the other, as opposed to independent films where I really had to be the one cracking the whip on everybody because no one else was really I got you responsible for the fifty grand that I was able to scrape together through all the people, as opposed to ten million. Suddenly, somebody has to watch yeah. this amount of money. That's the world I'm in, where it's you're the director slash gaffer slash yeah. Yeah. assistant sound guy. Me too, for mostly <laughs> everything else I've done, except for the one big movie. To your question, Richie, that was kind of Aniston's only request. She was like, I don't want to be sitting around for, for long periods of time, and if you can kind of schedule myself in blocks, I'd appreciate it. But typically, independent films are thrilling for even really big filmmakers because on a huge movie, they're sitting in their, you know, trailer for endless hours. But on an independent film, like they have to just shoot nonstop because there's no time. It would typically take three days to shoot. You have half a day to shoot. Oh, and, and so she liked money, the action. Money restrictions. Yeah. yeah Interesting. She, yeah. So she, she, that was her big thing. Was I just don't want to be my time wasted? Which is funny because that was Jay Black's big argument. When <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the two divas I've worked with in my career. <laughs> 
<laughs> we have a clip of uh, a promo for Goodbye Baby, and then I want to talk oh, to you. God, about it's hard to watch. I haven't seen this stuff in years. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, let's hear it from Melissa Brooks. Hey, guys. In high school, Class of 2007, yo! she was Miss Popularity. But while her friends were following traditions... Where do you see yourself in five years? Everybody in a good mood? She was forging her own path. Why haven't you ever told anybody that you wanted to be a comedian? When you do something different, everyone remembers it. Can I help you? I'm not really sure how this all works. We have open mic night every Monday night. Are you a comic? Now... She will have to find the courage to stand up. Go up or you go home. What's it going to be? And turn a lifetime of challenges. All right, I get it now. Not easy. See worse. Into five minutes of laughter. Comedy comes from pain. What's your pain? Don't talk no, to me about my pain. How old are you? I'm 18. That's funny. What happens if I don't make it? If you get to the point where you stop trying to make them laugh and you start enjoying your own material, you're getting there. The one, the only, Miss Melissa Brooks, let her hear it. This ever happened to you? Someone asks you your age and you just completely forget. Really? What are you, a fucking idiot? Would you guys call yourselves perfectionists as comics? No, I wouldn't. Why not? I got, I got these small hands. You're so funny up there. Shut up. Thank you. What doesn't kill you makes for great material. Goodbye, baby. You were never funny in high school, ever. Well, neither were you. But in all oh. fairness, I wasn't trying as hard. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a good one. <laughs> I know that guy. <laughs> you can see how beat red my face is. It's so hard to watch this stuff. But that was interesting. There were even that joke about uh, you ever forget your age. Not a bad joke. No. Well, I, I, I don't know who wrote it, but I remember. I don't it. either. But I remember Mark, me, him, and Jay. We'd be sitting in this room writing her material, and and Dan was so you were so hard. You were so like it was great, but you were and and yeah. Dan and I would fight. About like no no this joke works no this joke will work and he's like no that's forty year old Richie Byrne yeah. that's not eighteen year old whatever blah 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 <laughs> and um and Jay, would there, Jay would just sit there and go all right well we'll just rewrite it and I used no we're not when when we fight we had such a great time and then when I got a copy of the movie months later Mark I was in Sackett's Harbor I was at, up up at uh, Kitty yeah we talked about it yesterday and Mike Kitty the owner of the club. Was like I go, oh, you know, I did this movie. I got the DVD, and he goes, and Mike's a big, big. He loves movie. Big movie. He loves theater. And I go, listen, I don't know, I don't know if the movie's any good, or I don't know anything. So he goes, well, let's watch it. So he's sitting on his couch and he's watching it. Halfway through the movie, Dan, he hits pause. He sits up and he goes, "This is the best movie I've seen in about five years." That's nice. Thanks. And and I was so I was so I felt so good about that for you. I even called you from his house. I'm like, Danny. This movie's great, and you were like, "Thanks." I go, "Yeah." I go, "If I knew you were that talented, I would have been nicer to you." <laughs> <laughs> you were awfully nice. You did so much hard work. I'm sure for nothing. I don't think we even you we guys didn't. just jumped in. It was so great. By the way, that was Sal Governale. I'm seeing somebody. It was uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was Sal and, you know, I remember uh, having fun with Sal because I was right behind him, and I remember that because I kept going. She's up there doing, and I'm going. You can't follow her. <laughs> you should quit now. <laughs> 
It was, tough. it was tough to record comedy because all the extras laughed as hard as they could, and it felt unnatural. You would actually come in and actually warm I, them up, which was really I helpful. Did the, it was the first yeah. warm-up I ever did. I spent the whole day oh, warming up the extras, Mark, in the audience. Nice. And, and we, we shot different – you shot different scenes because she had to keep showing up at the club. So we had to – and I had to explain the extras. Okay, we're, this is – she's newer now. She's more better now. That kind of thing. It was so cool. It was such a cool day. Yeah. And um. But my favorite then was when we all sat at the table, a la the comic, uh, the the comedy cellar, and and Sal just rips her apart because he's telling her, "You're yeah, young. I like that thing too. You're cute, and you're gonna have your own sitcom in about three years. You're never gonna be a real comic." And that was such a great day because you were so good. As a director, because you were letting us riff, and it was—I mean, uh, what's uh, Dar Darnell was in that scene? Darnell Rawlings, yeah, yeah he's great. Yeah. Uh, me, Sal, Fred uh, Armisen. Yeah, I mean, it, I was very lucky to get those people, but yeah. you know, it, it's like there's no substitute for life experience. It's funny. Oh, by the way, somebody has to see the movie. I don't think it's available anywhere anymore. I, I don't think you can even get it on. No, iTunes. I think you can. I think you get it on uh, Amazon. Well, look, yeah, if you can, maybe I have it in my house. If someone. <laughs> Uh, but I, I don't, I don't work. You have so many movies you did, but I'm I'm talking about this one because I was so impressed by you when I worked with you on it. That's why I'm sorry to be talking so much. No, that's very movies. nice. That's very nice. You know. Um, but let me ask you a question. We, Shoot. what you did that day, the whole point of that scene was Sal telling her, "Fuck you, you're never going to be a real comic," and I am. And, and um, what I found interesting was the way you let us riff on it. And do you, as the writer, does that get weird to you when you, do you like letting the actors go or do you, would you rather they stay to the script? How yeah. does it work? And, and is everybody different that way? It's, it, goes, it goes back to that humble leader thing where if I have the control, I can let go of it and it doesn't freak me out so much because I'm also the editor of all these movies. I almost let everybody do a decent amount of improvisation. I now really hire people who are really good at improv because they're just going to make the movie funny and better. And I think ever since Apatow started making movies, there's just been a funny looseness where you're getting 30% more laughs because you're letting actors do what they're going to do. So I do a lot of improv. I find people really good at it. Occasionally, of course, somebody goes off the track and I go, eh, this was funnier the way I wrote it. Can you just do it this way or let's do it both mm -hmm. ways? And, and then you decide in editing. But for the most part, I mean, like Justin Long was a beast on my last movie and he was just a line machine. He's just so funny. And it sounds like somebody wrote a clever line. It doesn't sound like some, you know, aside that he mumbled out of his mouth. It's just a great line. And I just took whatever I can. And, and uh, yeah, the whole, the whole cast was pretty exceptional in, in, in the really? movie. Yeah. The last one, I, I, I mean, I, I think I've been really lucky with actors ever since I started and, you know, it's easy enough to find the good ones and, and let them do their thing. But uh, no, I, I have no control over that. If they think they can make it better, that's a Woody Allen thing too. He, he tells every actor, if you think you can make it sound more natural, just say whatever you want. And usually actors don't go hog wild with that. Do okay. Do you so? Do you? How can I, do you know if an actor is good at that? Like like coming from the theater, we you had to stay on script. Yeah, okay. yeah. You, so when I first got it, I, when I did that, that was so. And one of the things I found interesting was sometimes we'd really get off the beaten path. Uh, and you said because. Dude, I had so much fun with this movie. I'm sorry I keep bringing oh, it up. sweet. I love that you because have I a lingering memory of it. I was, I was, you know, I was a consultant 
And and sitting there with Kevin Corrigan, who's a, just a tremendous actor. Awesome. And Kevin just picked my brain that whole weekend. And Kevin was playing the son of the owner of the club and was a shitty comic in the movie. Yeah. And just still wanted to know. And, he, and what he was doing, he was doing this stream of conscious thing on stage that I really liked. And he was so into it. But so talking to Kevin about that was cool. But us at the table, I remember saying... Uh, we get off the beaten path a lot. And you said to me, they, you got to keep, and I said to Sal, if I say you're full of shit, Sal, if you hear you're full of shit, it means bring it back to her. And every time I said, you're full of shit, Sal, he turned to go, you're young and you're pretty. And we get back on, and it was so yeah. <laughs> But let right. me finish this point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you do hope you have a couple allies who are actors in the scene who just keep people Kind of yeah. going back. But Kate Land was in my last movie. If, if you don't know her comedy, I mean, I think she's probably the most imitated female comic today. I see everyone ripping her off. She's an utter genius. Uh, she's so wonderful to watch. And, you know, and in the movie, she almost plays like a young sort of uh, Joan Cusack vibe. And her and Justin Long play brother and sister. And they oh, seem cool. I should have sent you guys some clips. I'm sorry. Actually, we do have a trailer. We have the trailer for After Class. All right. Let's, uh, I haven't seen that in a minute, too. Let's blast that one. Out. What's up with Richie's wig? That's a comment from the peanut gallery. <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming in. What's going on? Josh, you pressured a student to reveal an intimate moment in front of an entire classroom. You really want me to say? Yes. We're writers. Embarrass yourselves. We're going to need you to take some time off. You look so much better. She's hot. Mom's cleaning out her apartment. It's very confusing. I'm gonna get rid of it. Grandma's still alive. I don't want to live anymore. I need my grandma. You're like my best friend. I want to be in heaven. All right, give me the pill. Please. You're gonna be with Grandpa very soon. Here we go. It's us. Oh, what are you doing? Nothing. Uh, I was just fluffing the pillows. I want to talk about your gorgeous immigrant. Well, I just wonder if we could be a little bit more intimate. If there's a way to incorporate just a little affection. I don't know about that. Okay, well, we're basically on the same page. Hello. Hey, Grandma. Everything okay? There's not much time. Wait, who's on the phone? Whose voice is this? It's me. It's me. Everything's a joke to you, isn't it? It's no wonder you're in trouble with your school. Think for a second, Josh. They wanted us to talk about making this a safe space. Could you stop recording me? Mm, why? I'd like to make this okay, a safe so like, space. Okay, let's have a dialogue. How much battery do you have? Oh, great. That's not my mother. That's my freaking soulmate. I thought Dad was your soulmate. Shut up. <laughs> These kids hit the jackpot when they got you as a grandma. Army of people who love you at your back. Look at that. That was great, man. Wow. You know, so, for example, in that trailer, there's a scene where the kid's holding a phone on Justin, right? Uh, um, and the, the bit of the scene is the. the He's making Justin very uncomfortable. That kid, uh, his name is Michael Shu Rosen. I actually just hung out with him the other day. One of my few human contacts of the last uh, couple of weeks. <laughs> and Justin, after every take, Justin would almost be sweating. And goes, that kid is scary. He's so good at improv. And the two of them would 
improvised this very funny scene. It was very clear what their objective was. The kid wanted to keep his camera up. Justin wanted him to put it down without looking like a psycho who was yelling at him because he knew it was being recorded. And mm-hmm. so that's the scene where it doesn't matter what you have written. Like there, there's something about the awkwardness and the overlapping dialogue and two cameras going at once where you'll get something better if you let two really funny actors just try a couple things and a couple takes and, and it came out pretty great. Well, it- I still think it's a, I still think it's a testament to you though to go yeah man go for it sure. you know but then again if it sucks you could be like yeah just do the lines I wrote sometimes <laughs> it it just it just depends but yeah you know it's in every way you get supported that's what I was saying about having the balls to direct it's like hire a great cinematographer if you don't know shit about what lens to use or what camera to use you know hire great actors who can do that kind of stuff you know you, you get a lot of support from your your collaborators that's it's right. pretty great you just have to have taste yeah you, you don't have to know, always know what you want what you want but you always have to know what you like you always have to have an opinion so if she's like what dress should she wear i might not have an opinion about what dress but she shows me too i always have an opinion it's it's like i am like a boyfriend i always know what i would love to watch on tv or where we should order food or you know i'm i have opinions <laughs> incessantly so that's that's always been very natural interesting. I, All yeah. right. that's that's very interesting now where where'd you go to school I went to Emerson College in Boston. Sure. Uh, wow, that's a big I, uh, comedy college. A lot of yeah, stuff. yeah. Uh, uh, Dennis uh, uh, went Dennis there. Perry. Yeah, and uh, a lot of great people. And uh, and then I just moved directly here and got lucky to be doing it. I always kind of say that I was lucky. My family had a little bit of dough, and that gave me a really good head start. While a lot of friends of mine had to be, you know, ten and mm-hmm. bar. I, I got to make movies when I was younger, and then that snowballed and kept me doing it and helped me make a, a living doing it and, and stuff. So, you know, I, I, I just got, I had a lot of good luck and then I, I think I did work hard and, and I've been trying to be good to people and try to do the best job I can. Now, do you always shoot in New York? Is that a thing for you? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, if, if I can, it seems nice to sleep in my own bed and New York has production value, but uh, the Aniston movie we shot um, in Connecticut, I think, because uh, it looked a little bit more like what we were trying to mimic, which was Detroit and Michigan, and right. Um, and then uh, I think, yeah, most of the movies I tend to write around here. I, my work has become a little bit more autobiographical. I mean, there's autobiographical aspects of that comedy movie I made with you that I was clearly the perspective of a starry-eyed person awkwardly entering an industry of talented, bitter, uh, and a mixture of people, you know, and, right. and being excited about it all. So I could see why that was personal for me at that time. But the next two movies I made that were independent, there's literally a guy who looks like me playing a version of me. So the supporting <laughs> characters was Alex Karpovsky, who's from Girls, and he's sort of a six-foot-three brunette guy around my age and my sense of humor. And then Justin Long in this movie. I don't think I'll do that more, but I was literally just – I wanted to be – the trailer you just saw, like it's a little hokier in the trailer than it is in the movie. The movie's pretty – Kind of grounded and i just wanted to feel real if i can capture my mom's behavior or my father or my grandma or my students and not be too broad with it then i feel like i've done my job now who are caitlin and emily Schechter? those are my nieces oh they play my actual nieces in the movie because what was i gonna hire like two that's you know really chomping cool, kids it is good and it makes you love that's some of the scenes i can watch in my movie over and over again and of course your family's so happy in it they're very good they don't hurt the movie at all they probably actually add a verisimilitude that maybe a child actor wouldn't have. There's another child actor in the movie who's great. He's on a, a TV show now called Single Parents or something like that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he's yeah. wonderful, but he's too good. You could see that he's like a weirdly precocious pro he while kids good. have an awkwardness that they have in real life. Yeah, I think like the last gig I had, I was in a hotel getting ready and that was on. 
And I remember that kid was really good. I remember going, oh, I get it, the premise. He's, but he, he's a great actor. Born know? for it. I mean, I mean, his mother, he had to audition and go on all of his auditions. They would drive from Syracuse to Manhattan, which is about four hours there and four hours back for every audition he had. His mother's like, I didn't want him to do this. I'm not a stage mom. But one day, this kid was four years old. They took him to see Billy Elliot on Broadway. And he's like, Mom, that's what I, that's me. I got to do that with my life. But, and he just was. He's supernatural. He was just. That's exactly what happened to Mark. <laughs> um, you see me jumping up and down dancing that'd be a bad show do you have actors that you put in every movie do you have people that you go i want like i noticed kevin corrigan's in a couple of your movies kevin corrigan uh, if you can put a picture of kevin corrigan on the screen for those you who know, don't know because they'll all yeah, recognize him yeah yeah everyone will know him joey um, i meant to tell you to yeah. look up kevin well, corrigan joey and i forgot that's fine he's he was in all my movies except for this last one because i just literally didn't have anything for him and i didn't want to give him something insultingly little and mm -hmm. um but no if i can i'd, I'd love the directors who have their troupe but i never it's not like a do you a, have other actors that you go it, this is who i want to work with you go oh my god i can't do you ever get overwhelmed by who you're working with or do you it, not allow that to enter into i remember the first five minutes i met her it was pretty weird and then you immediately see that they're actors and they have the same um Conversation, insecurities, whatever it is, you, they're, they're, you know, the the power dynamic when I went into the room was she was looking at me like a director and she wanted to be in my movie. So I had status in that conversation where, where I wasn't, oh, please, Miss Ann, you know, it, although she of course I was. She liked, she wanted the movie. When you, when you try to get actors like that to be in a movie, clearly they don't audition for me, Dan Schechter. So you send what's called an offer, which is a contract that you hail Mary to their reps and say, if this movie happens, you'll get paid this. We want you for these days. You'll play this role. Maybe some other minor details. The more specific stuff gets hammered out. And if you're lucky, they read your script. And then if you're really lucky, they say, all right, she wants to meet with you or he wants to meet with you. And I, I that's there Kevin Corrigan right Kevin there. Kevin Corrigan. And Goodfellas, The Departed, yeah. the, everything. Oh, he's just a great actor. Tons of TV, when, too. Whenever an actor wants to meet with me, uh, they want to be in the movie. And then at that point, it's some kind of asshole or moron test that I have to pass to prove that I'm neither one of those things. But oh, I, 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 I never got to that point. I don't think she's taken a lot of meetings with a lot of independent filmmakers. She wanted to do it. She wanted to do something different. My movie was like a, a crime film. And and she was, you know, yeah, it was right away. It was it was fine. And then, you know, yeah, I felt privileged just to get to be around her. Mike, you know, if I ever have grandkids or even kids... They'll say I work with Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, that's yeah. on my epitaph that I met her and hung out with her and worked with her. So that's yeah, cool. no, that's, uh, they'll say Jennifer Aniston and Richie Byrne. That's right. Really? Now, uh, is there an actor you've worked with? We, it's gonna. I don't know if it's a good question, but uh, will you go? Never it, again. <laughs> that's a good question too. But like, oh my God, this is the best actor I've ever scene or wow yeah but it's usually not the biggest actor in it there was a kid right. named charlie tahan who was in the jennifer aniston movie who was 14 at that time or something and i remember being like oh this must be what it was like to work with dicaprio or joaquin phoenix at that age and now he's in ozark and all these tv shows and movies he was on the batman gotham show and he i was just like oh this guy is so he's not just as good as that other kid was who, who I think was he on gotham I think he played Scarecrow. He was one of the villains okay. or something like that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know him. Yeah, this he, kid. He, you know, and I still feel that way about him to this day. He's just got that thing. And and it was just amazing to see this 14-year-old do a scene with Aniston. You just couldn't take your eyes 
off of him. And, and uh, usually it's like people you get for a day or two. But working with Caper Lant, Justin Long on the last movie, and then even with Fran Drescher, she plays a more dramatic role in my movie. She's still funny. There's still that Fran energy underneath it. But right. when she stopped doing sitcom stuff and she started acting like the way she would when we were interact or the way she would when she was uh, in Spinal Tap or something, I was mm -hmm. like, oh, this is really cool. And she has some great moments uh, in the movie where she where she's great. So yeah, I you know I love actors so much and I love all their bullshit. And yeah, there, Mark, there are plenty that I work with that I don't want to work with again. And, and well, I haven't gotten a call in fourteen years. <laughs> it wasn't you. Like, I had some for I think you're such a great uh, character. Even looking at your face, I find you very uh, endearing. I'm joking with you. No, um, I, I'm always uh, enamored by you when I see you. I'm like, it's like, uh, and you I did, want more Richie you, in my life. You did me a great. It meant a lot to me when after we you, we did the movie. I did a production of the Richie Burns show at Caroline's and you showed up and that meant the world to me. And you were so positive after you were just I love that. You a great show. About you. <laughs> it really you know, meant the world to After me. we made Goodbye Baby, I kind of took fucking years away from stand-up comedy because I just kind of got over know. it for me a while. Too. And then it was like new again. It was like, uh, you know, not watching porn or something for a month. And you're like, oh, this is such a thrill. You know, or like I really enjoyed that show. And then I was like, let me start listening to more stand-up. The other day I have a, a, you know, I guess Alexa. If I say her name, she'll come alive. But I said play stand-up the other day. And then they would just play these little two, three-minute clips of great people. And while I was cleaning my house all by myself and I felt less alone. And I was laughing really hard at like the best little bits of Bill Burr and Louie right. and, you know, people I'd never heard of and, you know, some people who aren't alive anymore. And it was a real, I, I've come around to liking it more than I, I had, you know. Wow. That's really wild. So I think you answered this question already, but I, I want to, I just want to ask. Sure. So when you're directing, do you take more of the like authority approach or are you more like the actor's buddy asking questions to get where you want to go? Or do you just tell them where to go? I That's mean, what's cool about the job. You you get to be a different person for every single person. So okay, so take the big movie, the Jennifer Aniston movie. I had Aniston, Tim Robbins, John Hawks, Mose Def, Isla Fisher, uh, uh, Will Forte, and this guy Mark Boone Jr. And there was like the seven leads. It was an ensemble, and each of them I was a different person with. Some people needed me to push them, some people needed me to support them, some people needed me to just go head to head with them because they were very formidable. John Hawks is a really serious, smart guy. Wanted to talk about the, the script every single day. And uh, Will Forte, is, again, one of the funniest humans on the planet. But after every take, no matter how astonished I was, I can see he was needy for my approval to tell him he did a really good job. Aniston was like a pro. Like, a, you know, you take it for granted. But she would do whatever I asked her to do without any ego, anything. She just did what I asked and put her entire self into it without going – well, would this me make me likable? Is this going to be a flattering angle? There was none of that. So she was just a pro. And I and the more I could push her, and I think she they like that for me too. They like that I know what I want, that I have an opinion. Because I think the last movie Aniston did before mine, I think the director had shot like 12 different angles, 12 different times, and they wow. were fishing and it was exhausting as opposed to, and I didn't have the luxury of doing that with a budget. So you have to really know your angles. And I don't do much more than four takes because I also have to edit it and I don't want to go through all this crap and I don't have time. And uh, so it, it really depends, but that's a fun part of the job is you, you it's like speaking to know. something. You just, you, you gotta be a different person. You're, you're almost like a head coach. Like head coach Probably. talking about how they have to push different athletes different ways. 
Yeah, totally. I, I don't do sports, but I track your metaphor uh, because I'm sure that's exactly what it's like. And you feel that way. And you feel when the, when somebody does a bad job, everything is the director's fault. You kind of tend to put it on yourself, too, at the end because you could blame, oh, the producer screwed me this way. The location fell through. The actor was being a pain in the ass. It wouldn't come out of their thing. In the end, I think the director gets all the blame because they'll certainly get all the glory. So, you know, yeah. you have to learn how to manipulate people. And ideally, I, I attempt not to do that. That's my last resort. And because uh, I don't think I'm great at it. I'm not like some, you know, Kubrick who's going to be verbally abusing, you know, some actors so they give some slightly more nuanced performance. I can't do that to people. I, I, I want to be loved. I'm a people pleaser. It's, it's actually a terrible quality to have as a yeah. director because you, I think you're better off being a dictator. Yeah, Mark doesn't have that quality. <laughs> you know, Dan, when I called you and asked you to do this, you were like, I don't know why anybody would find me interesting, and you couldn't have been more wrong. Right, Mark? This was one Oh, this was like, fantastic. We, I mean, it's so up my alley. I, yeah, I knew Mark would love this, but we, we just hit a home run here. I mean, people are writing so such great things, and I, I you're just – you're one of the most talented people I've met in all my years in the business. Oh, sweet. And Thank you. I mean it. And I had such a great time with you. And I, I, we have to go out and have a drink once this is all over. Uh, yes, please. That sounds wonderful. And, uh, and we have to have you back on the show. We'd love to have you back on Absolutely. the show in the next few months, not month or so. Um, all right. Find we, we, a new show. We do some good stuff here. Right? We got graphics. We don't split up. We're not just. I'm very <laughs> impressed. Yeah, I didn't know it would be like this because I've been doing Zoom calls. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Um, it out, I really Brenda. want to watch your special. I'm so excited that you got to record a live special. How yeah, cool it was, was great. That? It was really great. Listen, to Mark, let's just remind tomorrow night. It's definite, right? We're gonna we're yep. gonna shoot at seven. We're on at seven tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Not, not eight. And Rich Voss, the great we'll with our guest. We're back Rich to Voss. Rich Voss. And yeah. uh, and Dan, we got to have you back. And when we go off the air, stay on. We'll talk to you backstage. Sure. Anything, anything else, Mark? No, I think we can we can wrap her up. Right. Uh, Peyton couldn't join us. I got a text oh, yeah. from Joey that uh, looks like it was technical difficulties with his end. So. All right. Oh well. Next up, we'll talk. We do want to talk to Peyton about the play and everything, but. Hey. Kick us out, Mark. You always kick us out. That's strange jokes and storytelling. Wait a minute. Last call. Thanks for listening to Drinks, Jokes, and Storytelling.